Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast, where we discuss films from every genre. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, Corbin. How old are Thank you? Like you. 50? I, I just turned 50, Knew listeners. It. I knew it. The big 5-0. I'm half a century old. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not. I'm almost a quarter of a century old. Yeah, getting, I turned... Getting pretty close there, I figured. Getting pretty close. I turned 24, so I'm pretty old. At least that's what my girlfriend tells me. <laughs> so I, I wake up every morning now with aches in my neck and back. Yeah, that's, that's bad. That's a bad deal. Uh, I'm I'm feeling the age. But, and if you're wondering, does Corbin sound different? Yes, he does. Because I got sick the day after my birthday, and it's, we're recording, uh, my birthday was on Monday, so it's been a few days after my birthday. Mm -hmm. But by the time you hear this podcast, it'll be a little bit longer than that. And hopefully I'll be better by then, but you won't know it. Well, maybe you will, because you'll hear the next podcast. Right. So today we are discussing for my birthday pick regarding Henry. Have you ever heard of it, Alan? I have, mostly due to the fact of the composer that's here uh-huh. is how I heard of this movie. And aside from just hearing it by name and that it has Harrison Ford in it, coming into this podcast, I had really no other knowledge of it. I had not heard of it uh, except for a few years ago. My dad introduced me to the movie he said, "Oh, it's a it's kind of one of those nice heartwarming movies. It's a great movie. We should check it out. It's pretty interesting." And I said, "Okay." So, I I watched it to, with him, and that was the only time I had seen it until well, for my birthday pick, but I had already I had always remembered that I really liked it a lot, and I kind of wanted to revisit it now and see if there was anything that we could say about it. So I'm I'm excited to talk about regarding Henry. I also felt like we needed uh, maybe something a little more uplifting. It's been a bit of a tough beginning here. Uh, also a heavy one too. So I also wanted to lighten our palates here a little bit. Right. Yeah. Especially after uh, Jacob's Ladder and Suspiria. We had Patterson in there, which kind of helped a little bit. That's but, true. Uh, we're, I guess you could say we're still recovering from Suspiria from last week. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it's always nice to have something a bit more lighter and lighthearted and happier uh, on a plate that has oh, kind of at this point been half half cold. Well, despite this being a lighthearted movie, the people behind it are no lightweights when it comes to cinema. This is a Mike Nichols film, and Mike Nichols is an Oscar-winning director, including five nominations. He won the Oscar for Best Director for The Graduate. Oh, okay, interesting. Now, that one I have seen. Um, Yes. I watched it on a train a few months ago. Hmm. So that's interesting. So I'm not, I guess this is not my first time with this director. I guess I didn't realize that. Yeah. No, he uh, was nominated a lot. Like I said, he was uh, the graduate working girl, which also stars Harrison Ford and Sigourney Weaver. That was up for best picture also. Oh, interesting. Uh, Catch 22, Silkwood, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, 
just wolf with where Jack Nicholson becomes a werewolf. <laughs> that it's would be so time. interesting to see. It oh, is. Oh, man. I saw it a long time ago, and it is it's wild. Uh, he also did Charlie Wilson's War, and he only died just four years ago. He was 83 years old, so his oeuvre of work spans a long time. Yeah, I would say so coming from The Graduate to regarding Henry in 1991, because I think The Graduate is like 19, I want to say 66. So yeah, he's... He's been around cinema quite a while. Now, the only two I've, re- only two I've really heard of were, would be these two regarding Henry and The Graduate from his body of work, as far as I'm aware of right now. I do want to check out some more of his films. I haven't seen a lot, but I know Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf is uh, kind of a fairly well-known older one. And Working Girl was nominated for Best Picture, so I got to see it in... Catch-22 is actually streaming free right now, so go ahead and check it out, listeners. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and um, I actually haven't seen The Graduate yet. I believe it's on Amazon Prime right now. That's how I saw it. I gotta check it out. I love the Simon and Garfunkel soundtrack I have for years, but I haven't got to see that one yet. And Alan mentioned the composer, Hans Zimmer. Yes, this is one of his very... I think it's either it's not his first, I don't think, but I know it's one of his very early movies before he really, really made a name for himself. Uh, I think a couple years after this. Well, and I should mention that Henry, the titular character, is played by none other than Harrison Ford. Right. And also starring opposite him is Annette Bening, who is was fairly famous at least. Right. Now, there was another movie that came out with Harrison Ford around this time. I can't remember the specific date. Fugitive. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was a Best Picture nominee. I wouldn't be surprised if you are correct. Let me look it up right here. That was a big movie at the time. I actually saw it for the first time a couple months ago, and I loved it. One Oscar, and it was Best Actor, but it did get nominated for Best Picture cinematography, sound, film editing, best effects, and music. So I got nominated for a bunch of stuff, but only one. Tommy Lee Jones is best actor in a supporting role. Alan, did you happen to notice who wrote this movie and who made their cameo? I saw the writer after the fact. Uh, I was doing a little research and I saw J.J. Abrams was the writer yeah. for this movie. But, okay, who, do you, who are you referring to when you say uh, their debut here? I wasn't sure if it was a debut, but there was a cameo. Uh, You'll notice later on, there's a young man delivering groceries to their apartment. That is J.J. Abrams, listeners. This movie was, I think, if not his first movie, one of his first movies he ever wrote. He's Yeah, he's credited. He was 25 years old, a year older than me. He was Jeffrey Abrams writing a Mike Nichols movie, working with... Hans Zimmer and all pretty interesting that young 25 year old Jeffrey Abrams wrote this movie that is so interesting to me because yeah he would of course now he's most known recently as for Star Wars especially Mm -hmm. episode 7 and I guess now I'm going to be episode 9 again Uh, and then of course the Cloverfield series so that is very interesting I did not realize that that was him as the grocery boy Mm -hmm. at all. I wouldn't have ever guessed that. 
Yeah, I was shocked when I first found out a few years ago and I saw this movie. It's like written by none other than J.J. Abrams. You're kidding me. Right. He's 25. That's interesting. That's pretty... It's, I mean, for being 25, that's pretty pretty good uh, career so far. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Also, the cinematographer I wanted to bring up real quick. He's no joke. Giuseppe Rotuno. He did some Federico Fellini movies, who was a okay. big Italian director. He also did Dario Argento's The Stendhal Syndrome. Okay, that one I haven't seen, but I know of it. He also did Popeye with Robin Williams, The Scarlet and the Black with Gregory Peck, the John Huston movie, who we did review his movie Treasure of the Sierra Madre, did the John Huston biblical epic The Bible, and the okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger pseudo-Conan spinoff Red Sonja, and the other Harrison Ford movie Sabrina. So Giuseppe Rotuno is all over the place, but... He is no joke when it comes to cinematography. Yeah, it looks like he's done a lot of French films. But yeah, still a very experienced cinematographer here. Yeah, absolutely. So this movie is on CinemaScore. It received an A- minus really? from audiences. Yeah, audiences uh, really liked it. Interesting. Because mm-hmm. I know that the critic reviews were not not great. Right. Yeah, I read critic reviews were lukewarm to negative, yeah. but audience reaction was quite positive. And at the box office, it did pretty well. Uh, for a movie of its caliber, I think it made sense what it earned. So I found the budget to be about $25 million and it grossed $43 million domestically, and I think it was only here. Yeah. It was not international. Okay, well, I mean, that's not too bad. I mean, it's getting pretty close to doubling that budget, which is usually what you want to do. So it get, made, yeah, like you said, made pretty good money. Yeah, it did. Opening weekend, uh, it didn't do the best. It came in, it opened at number seven Oof. with $6 million. The movies it was going up against are probably why uh, this happened. Uh, it was beat out by number one at the box office that weekend. Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Okay. Well, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Also, 101 Dalmatians, Boys in the Hood, Point Break, Naked Gun, Two and a Half, and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Interesting. Okay. So, pretty big names in terms of... A few of these are in terms of franchises like Naked Gun or even Robin Hood, for that matter, or just recognizable names when they were released around this time. I will say it kind of came out at an odd time. It came out July 10th, 1991, during the blockbuster season. This is why all of these movies did much better, is because families were going to the movies, teens, young adults, they wanted to see 101 Dalmatians for families, Terminator for, you know, adults for action for teenagers. Right. So, usually romance movies don't come out during the summer this probably would have been served better in the fall to spring my guess is the studio kind of saw what it was and had a thought that it might not do very well if they released it not in the summer because that's when people typically go to the most movies is in the summer so my guess is to make more of a more of a financial gain they went for a summer release there in the middle of july uh 
it's very possible that it could have been better if it had released any time after, but at least it made a lot of money comparatively than maybe it would have in a different uh, different month that it was released in. And it still did fine at the box office, like we said, mm-hmm. especially I wouldn't expect this movie, honestly, to make any more than it did. Yeah, I'm surprised it made as much as it did, to be honest. Yeah. And IMDb today, it it holds a 6.7. So that's a pretty good score. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's pretty, it's a little bit above mediocre, just a hair though. Yeah, yeah, it's above average. Mm-hmm. Well, listeners, I'm about to get into the plot for regarding Henry. If you don't want the movie spoiled for you, then it is on Amazon Prime right now. You can go there and check it out or go somewhere else to check it out. Go ahead and click pause. Go ahead and watch the movie. Come back and click play and we'll be ready to talk about it. Henry Turner, played by Harrison Ford, is one of the fiercest lawyers in New York. Rarely does he lose a case, and his current case against a Mr. Matthews, played by Stanley Swerdlow, is no exception. He handily wins the case and goes out that night with his wife to a colleague's party. Henry seems like he couldn't care less about his home life. He has a daughter named Rachel, played by Camion Allen, who's nearly 12, and his wife Sarah, played by Annette Binning, doesn't appear too fond towards her husband. When they get home after the party, Henry goes out to buy a packet of cigarettes from the store around the corner but he comes in during a stick-up. When Henry won't hand his wallet over to the gunman, Henry is shot in the chest and the head, which causes him to go into a coma. The doctor explains to his wife, Henry suffered a lack of oxygen to his brain, which means his rehabilitation process will be arduous. Henry does awake from a coma, but he can't walk, can't speak, and he can't read. He's basically starting from square one. In rehab, Henry meets his physical therapist, Bradley, played by Bill Nunn. Through some unorthodox methods, like putting a bunch of Tabasco on his eggs, Bradley slowly gets Henry to start uttering noises and then forming words. Bradley's positive can-do attitude inspires Henry to try harder to rehabilitate and the two become lifelong friends. When Henry's time at the clinic is over, he's worried about going back home with his family, since he has no memory of them. Despite wanting their husband and father back, they also need their financial income back because they had no emergency funds saved. Sarah goes back to work as a realtor, and Henry eventually goes back to the law firm, but Rachel has to go to boarding school. Henry is saddened his daughter has to go because the two are beginning to bond like they never had before. Sarah and Henry grow closer, and their marriage greatly improves. Henry is more loving, and Sarah is more caring. One night at a friend's party, they overhear the friends talking bad about them behind their back, causing them to realize their friends may not be true friends at all. To make matters worse, Henry receives a letter from Bruce, played by Bruce Altman, and finds more letters to Henry's wife stashed in their closet. Henry comes to find out that Sarah and Bruce were having an affair before his accident. Despite asking him not to leave when he confronts Sarah, Henry goes to the office to clean out his things and goes to a hotel room he has a memory of he can't quite place. Linda, played by Rebecca Miller, followed him to the hotel, where she explains that was their spot twice a week. Come to find out, Henry was planning on leaving Sarah before his accident. But now that he's a new man, he says goodbye to Linda, quits the firm, and gives the Matthews family evidence 
that his old firm hid evidence against Mr. Mr. Matthew in order for Henry to win the case. Back at boarding school, Rachel is miserable in the middle of group exercise. When her dog buddy comes up to her, Henry and Sarah are there to get Rachel. Henry explains, I missed the first 11 years of her life. I don't want to miss any more. He further states, I want us to be a family, Sarah, for as long as we can. The three of them and their dog walk off together, a reunited family, as credits roll. So here's something kind of interesting that I didn't actually expect coming out of this movie is it's pretty accurate portrayal of somebody with the condition that Henry comes across uh, in this movie. Namely, uh, when the bullet enters his head and is lodged in his brain, some of the side effects that he experiences in this movie are pretty accurate to how that would be if it were to happen to somebody uh, in real life. And from what I did look up, the same thing with the stroke, but only to a certain extent. Of course, there is a number of things in here that are taken, that they do take liberties with. Um, For instance, the amnesia, which, by the way, just never happens to have total memory loss uh, in psychology. It's mostly just meant for movies. But it was interesting to see how the bullet that lodged in his brain, I looked it up. Um, probably because I'm a psychology minor, so I already kind of knew what would happen outright. But I wanted to see what other the regions that it hit. I wanted to see what exactly that what symptoms that would cause. And the biggest ones were m- speech production. Um, he knows how to speak, but it's more of getting the words out. And one of the other things would be more irrational decision making, because the f- where it hit is the frontal lobe, and that usually is where decisions are made and then executed. Uh, so when you get when that is impacted, usually you see a pretty big change in terms of how that person makes decisions and acts and stuff like that, which we won't really see here. Um, and then in terms of a total personality change, from what I understand, that kind of comes from a stroke. Um, but once again, the total memory loss thing usually never happens. I don't even know if there's a case that exists where a total memory loss happens. I know of a case where decades have been lost, but that's so rare. I think it's only happened to one person that we know of, one or two people. But aside from that, I was still so very surprised to see how accurate some of these clinical uh, repercussions were of what happened. That's really interesting because I didn't know how accurate this was assuming well knowing this was a movie i assumed they just kind of fantasized it or something or took a lot of liberties with it but and it sounds like they did with a couple things like you were saying with the total memory loss from his entire life except he does regain some minor very small memories right but yeah, like you said, so that they kind of took liberty with that. And I understand why, because it's a story and in order to really draw the audience in and kind of give us this real extreme character's plight, then they have to kind of go a little far with it. And I'm okay with that. So, but it sounds like they stayed pretty uh, close to, to real life. So I'm, I'm glad for that. Yeah. The biggest sin that they were really- that would literally cause here is more to do with the fact of just total memory loss when it comes to basing it all in realism. Because like I said, that never happens. I don't even think that there is a case that ever happened. The only case that we know of 
maybe there's one more. I can't remember the name of him, but the one case we know of where there was a big chunk of a guy's life missing was mostly due to alcoholism, which we found out that uh, severe alcoholism for a prolonged period of time can cause memory loss. And in this case, the guy lost about two or three decades of his life. He was stuck in 1945 uh, during the war and could not make new memories. So his so his long-term memory that had been uh, forming since 1945 up until about the 80s or so had been basically completely lost or was put in some place that the brain couldn't reach. And then his short-term memory is also impacted where he couldn't form new memories. So people, so things would go into his memory, but they wouldn't be stored in his brain. And so they found it super interesting. Most of this, once again, this is due to alcoholism. The After so long of abusing alcohol for so many years, it eventually caught up to him. Now, that was very severe alcoholism from what we understand. But aside from that, that's really the best case that would go that would go with this movie but even then it's not like he lost everything and here is also interesting too because he does have moments where he like recalls just random things that is rather accurate because as far as i'm aware because recall is impacted in what in the injuries that he faces partly with the bullet and then partly with the stroke um as far as i'm aware they don't really give too much information on uh how what areas the stroke impacted aside from just giving his symptoms so we can give a guess but Aside from that, uh, he is still able to learn to remember certain things. He's having certain recalls, uh, which is interesting and still kind of real. But also at the same time, his this little thing called semantic memory is impacted. Basically, what that means is the facts of your brain, the little information that you remember, like typing on a keyboard or remembering that two plus two equals for just small little random bits of information is what semantic memory is. It's basically facts. That was interesting to me that that was also impacted. That usually isn't impacted as hard as like episodic memory, which is memories of like family and other things like that. That's usually the first thing to get hit. Well, the closest I have with someone who is a bit similar to Henry's case, not that close, but is when my grandfather had a stroke. His personality was different afterwards. He really couldn't speak uh, at least very well could form maybe some small words um and he did have to go through uh, like physical therapy kind of like henry so in those ways i could relate to um henry's character i don't know did i just say harry i don't know i, I think I, I i knew what you meant when you said harry, okay <laughs> if you did <laughs> I'm sick, listeners. You'll have to forgive me if I say <laughs> some things that are wrong, but I'll try not to. But that's the closest I can get. I kind of recognize some of those aspects as um, more so in a stroke victim, which does happen with their brain as well, like with Henry. But we kind of come to learn out that this memory loss is a blessing in disguise because he was a really bad person before his uh, before getting shot. He was uh, committing um, legal malpractice, whatever that's called, by purposely hiding evidence. Uh, he was pretty much soulless through the whole trial. Like, to do that to somebody in a wheelchair who is disabled and just do it without a th second thought to uh, make them lose their case against the hospital... He's just not not really uh, kind to his daughter at all, and him and his wife. Everybody's just so cold and distant in the Turner house. 
So we, we immediately get a setup that everything in his life is just, it works like clockwork and it's just pretty cold and lifeless. Yeah, yeah. And I do know that withholding information in the court is uh, not a good thing to do because you're kind of sworn, you go when you're sworn to tell the truth, all the truth, and nothing but yeah. the truth, right? So yes. that aside, yeah, his his life here at the beginning is painted to be very narcissistic. He's a very self-centered person and he does show love in certain areas but it's all kind of for him he always like i think the best uh scene is when he goes to apologize and that's kind of an air quotes there apologize to his daughter um where he says that i'm sorry i was angry but it was for a reason and kind of takes the what should have been his apology of saying i was it was my bad i probably shouldn't gotten mad at you and flips it around and gives it on her and says that it was still your fault. And now while that does still have some merit to say to parenting and saying, this is what I'm sorry, I reacted this way, but this is why I reacted this way. He takes it and then continues with it into an area where he really shouldn't have gone at all. And then turns it on himself and says, dad won a big case today. And it's just kind of like, okay, you know, painting this guy as a very narcissistic person. And even when he goes to get some cigarettes, he is yeah. still self-centered in the situation where he believes he's untouchable, thinks he's not going to get shot. He's like, wait a minute, I don't have to hand over my wallet to you, which is such a trivial thing to lose considering how mm-hmm. wealthy he is. And oh, I thought it was interesting. Uh, the gunman is played by a young John Leguizamo. Oh, really? Have you heard of him? I, I've heard him by name, and I think I've seen a couple of pictures, but I do know of him. Yeah, he the most recent one that I can think of seeing him in was in the John Wick movies. Okay, that probably be where I know him then. Yeah, so he's the gunman just in this bit part that shoots him, and money is literally his downfall. He wouldn't give up his money, and he is sh- shot in the chest, which I thought... It was so close to his heart that it was going to kill him. Um, but I guess it was more so in the shoulder, maybe. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. whatever it did, it hit a very important vein, I suppose. Yeah. And I was surprised to see that it was in the head. I saw the blood pool on his head, but I almost wasn't even sure if it was his head. I thought it, it might have been it almost looked like just, or something. Uh, it almost looked at, at first, it just kind of looked as if he the bolt just kind of skimmed his head, grazed his head right. instead of actually going through it. Yes. Well, it does take him a few days to wake up from the coma, and the doctor kind of gives us a little information, like you were saying, about how he's you know, pretty much an invalid, pretty much a child almost. He has to start from uh, square one. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a scene where the wife and daughter are talking about it. This really isn't that important. But did you notice how big the daughter's glass of milk was? Yeah. It was really, really big. I mean, especially compared to her since she's like like 11 or 12. Yeah. Uh, so she's already got her other kind of small. It was really big glass of, of milk. It was kind of funny. That was funny. Um, but uh, anyway, we kind of get these uh, rehabilitation scenes here with him and Bradley. And Bill Nunn is, he plays a great character, Bradley. He's pretty lighthearted and funny. Mm-hmm. And he always has this positive attitude. I remember Bill Nunn from The Sister Act. That's what I've seen him in. He was a big okay. star in the 80s. That's right. Yeah, I I know, I think I've seen him. I haven't seen The Sister Act, but I 
from what I have seen, I do think I remember seeing him in there. Uh, so, yeah, he did look a bit familiar to me. I was wondering what else he would have been in around this time. Alan, could you tell this movie was made in the 80s, despite it coming out in 91? It still has a very 80s feel to it, doesn't it? Yeah, it definitely does. The 80s are still very, uh, a big influence on uh, regarding Henry, which is to be expected. Uh, it came out It came out very, very early in the 90s already. So, uh, yeah, I could see the influence of the 80s on here. Uh, I think it's kind of almost unmistakable. I could tell by your voice and also your facial expressions. You're, not, you're maybe not too too enthused about that or too pleased, maybe? They're okay, there are aspects in here that I think work with this kind of older style. Uh, things like the music and especially some of the cinematography is... Uh, rather dated i would say yeah it is dated but i do like this style i've always kind of been more i've been drawn to movies around this era i kind of sometimes wish i could time travel and go back and like live in that time period um some of those other some of those even older time periods too yeah and that's not to say that it's a bad thing that this movie still has this stuff Part of that is just due to the time that it came out, so there's not much you can really do to help it. Right. Uh, but at the same time, it is uh, showing its age a little bit here, um, actually quite a lot. It also doesn't help that, okay, the Amazon Prime transfer was the mm-hmm. same thing, same issue that I had with it that I had with Jacob's Ladder. Not a very good transfer. It looks kind of like it was taken from a VHS again and then upscaled. But I know, I know you. I know you probably have it on disc. I had to watch it. I watched it through Amazon Prime, and I noticed this again. With same with Jacob's Ladder, is not a great transfer. I don't own it on disc. I would oh. like to own it. I I don't know if there's a Blu-ray copy or not. There there very well might not be of this one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would like to own it, but I don't. Okay. Well, I will say the emotional aftermath of everything that's going out on. I I personally find it to be playing out fairly well uh kind of just the impact that annette benning portrays in her character sarah of her life is going to be radically different after that i mean i was trying to put myself in her shoes and she did a good job of opening those up for me was just uh not just emotional but financial plus she her daughter will be going away to boarding school soon she's pretty much lost everything in her life and how is how is she going to move forward and rebuild when her main source of you know providing is gone and he's pretty much an invalid now so to me i think i'm opened up into that emotional emotional turmoil fairly well and that does help me get into the story yeah and this was and i think she and Harrison Ford Harrison Ford, what I mean by Harrison Ford here, I mean after the the injury, do a very good job just kind of in general here. Because, yeah, especially in this scene, you really do get a feel of that emotion from her as a wife who is kind of almost on the brink of what do I do now? We can't survive. And being told that financial-wise from a advisor, they're not doing great and things are not going to go get really much any better um, if you don't have a city income which they didn't save away which is not a very good practice to do so yeah yeah so yeah you do get it is i was surprised by this that you do get a lot of emotion out of her which pretty accurately displays as far as i could tell uh 
how a person like her would react in this kind of a situation. This movie is a basket full of life lessons. And one of the first ones we get here is have an emergency fund. Yeah. Don't think you're invincible just because you're rich. Yes. Always a good financial practice to live by is always save money. Always. <laughs> Absolutely. And But we also see that Sarah is, she just lies to all of her friends and Henry's friends about how well off they're doing. They're doing great. And also kind of the fact of pride. And honestly, I don't think these kind of people are very caring. And later on, we see that they're not. So even if she did open up to them, I think that just goes to show that even Sarah herself realizes these aren't the kind of people I can depend upon and open up to. Yeah, this is very much a movie about discovering true love, not just in terms of a husband-wife situation, but also in terms of true friendship situations. like. Bradley's a big example where Bradley really did care for him, even though he even I think he even kind of mentions this. Uh, he didn't really have to, and it was his knee injury that happened when he was in football, which we do get to. That he does talk about this later. That is what brought him to Bradley uh, or to uh, Henry and got him to where he was at that moment. Which at the time they had that conversation, Henry was doing pretty much acting like a normal human being again, um, but. Yeah, this is very much a film of discovering true love. What exactly is true love, both in, diff in different aspects of life, both when it comes to your daughter or child, when it comes to your wife, and when it comes to your friends. You know, who your true friends are are ones that will stick by you really no matter what, despite really anything. Yeah, I, I, do, I will say I really do like uh, Bradley's character. Uh, I like his positive attitude and he's also pretty funny mm -hmm. and i think him and uh henry well bill nunn and harrison ford i think they work well together in their scenes yeah they definitely do now as for harrison ford's performance he kind of gives two different performances here for the you know not very long it's probably like the first 15 minutes of the movie or so he is very strict and uh, just kind of sharp-edged with everything that goes on. And like I said, very cold about yeah. every situation, very calculated. Whereas we get a completely different aspect of him where he is a very vulnerable character because he doesn't even know shapes, really. And he needs a lot of rehabilitation, like I said. I, I think he does a great job of kind of giving us two different um, people and giving a very kind of vulnerable, almost childlike performance. Right. And it's, I'll say this, his performance in the opening few minutes, I don't think are great. Um, he, it, he does a good, don't get me wrong, he does portray what he needs to portray, which is a very strict, narcissistic, rather kind of, kind of person. Uh, the, the problem is, especially in that very opening shot, uh, after, I guess, opening scene, right after the opening credits, he comes off as just incredibly boring and acting as if he just doesn't want to be there when he's giving his, I guess, ending speech to the to the case here. It just feels kind of boring. And he does kind of get a little bit more interesting after this, albeit rather straightforward with what his character really is. But it's after all this happened, when the injury does happen to him, he does get shot, and then he gets starts to rehabilitate and... Is, has a complete uh, personality change. This is where I think he does a really, really good job at portraying somebody who would have the, who would be in the same uh, situation. 
I think he does a very good job with that. It's that opening, though, is, for me, not great, unfortunately. I, yeah, I think he's trying to just show that life is boring. He has everything. Nothing's exciting. He can win a case because, well, he cheats at winning. And there's like just no excitement or joy in his life. And I think they're trying to set up those two kind of dichotomies there in the beginning. But yeah, he is pretty boring and very much reminiscent of his as like a voiceovers from Deckard in the Blade Runner theatrical. Ooh. Cut. <laughs> Oof. Well, okay, what I do agree with you. They are trying to portray that his life is ultimately has no real purpose. Or I guess not real purpose, but it's very empty um, when you really look at it. But at the same time, opening a film with that is, with it not being interesting, is not good for the film. And that was one of my biggest criticisms at the beginning was that he's coming off as if he doesn't want to be there. It kind of makes you feel like, oh, I don't want to be here. Now, to be fair, it does get much better later on uh, with his performance. Yeah, well, I can understand that. Yeah. It's not the most intriguing opening, but it doesn't last very long because the gunshot does come fairly quickly into the first act. Yeah, they don't take they don't waste too much time getting to that gun getting to the uh, the uh, robbery scene. I do find it sad when his family does come to pick him up. He's like, "I don't want to go with them." And he gets belligerent, mm-hmm. which I I have noticed that um sometimes when people do have strokes, they do become a little more angrier, uh, easier. That, uh, that's just, I'm speaking from personal experience. I don't know if that's the general case of it all. Yeah. But it is interesting because he does want to stay there at the rehabilitation clinic because honestly, that's pretty much all he knows. And I will say he, he is also a content. Like he's like, I really don't need anymore. I've got a best friend. I can paint. I get to just go on walks. You know, I, I kind of enjoy that. I kind of like that quality admirable quality of being content right it also does we do get to see how the resetting affects his it really affects his family life but it's also interesting because the timeline of him uh starting rehabilitation to getting to the point where he has to leave is kind of muddy there really isn't much to go on aside from the fact that it looks as if he made it in record time uh, from where he began to where he is able to leave. But once again, the timeline here is not really stated very well. It, I'm a little bit confused on my first watching as to where exactly we are in this timeline. How long did it take him to finally get to a point where he could leave uh, and get to a point where he could join his family? But at the same time, uh, from where he began, that seems like a pretty huge leap to make in terms of getting him to where he's at. Yeah, that is true. The The timeline for this movie is a bit muddy, especially they do speed up his rehab. For story purposes, I can understand why, because they're trying to tell kind of a tight-knit story of this goes on within roughly a year, probably, because the movie opens in winter and it seems to close in the fall if you look at the leaves on the tree, so not even quite a year. But yeah, by the time he goes into rehab in winter, and I, I think he gets out during the spring, so a couple months is all it took him for. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of goes against what the doctor said. It's going to take him forever, and yeah, he's out, you know, in a few months. Yeah. So, but I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to speed it up for story purposes. If they would have. It would have been a really different movie, I think. It probably would have been 
instead of more of a kind of a lighthearted feel-good type of movie, it would have been more of a probably deeper emotional drama if they would have had him recover over years and then um, aged up his daughter and his wife would have been struggling all these years. It would have been a completely different movie that way. Right, and you're absolutely right. And it, it, I asked this question because it, maybe this could just be something that the movie just didn't state and is more general knowledge to what how the schools operate. But her, their daughter is supposed to go away to school. It's called Sleepaway. And uh, he definitely has physical therapy through the winter into the spring. And then she leaves for uh, right in the middle of the spring. Then she leaves for her, for her school. So I was just wondering, well, when does this school start? Maybe it starts, maybe it's a summer class or, or a summer school or something like that. Um, either way, it, the, like I said, the timeline was just kind of confusing for me uh, on my first viewing Cause I'm just like, hang on, where are we at again? Because they only kind of portray where we are, are at in the timeline where, with the changing of the seasons, which it seems. And it, kind of in general, too, Henry seems to be picking up things really, really quickly. Uh, he's, he, he talks pretty quick after he gives – after uh, I want to say, say Raymond, but that's not his name. But uh, crap, what's his name? Hang on. Oh. I gotta, yeah. Bradley? Bradley, that's his name. Man, I just had a terrible brain fart. Uh, he begins talking when Bradley gives him hot sauce, uh, Tabasco sauce in his eggs. Uh, and he is shown later on when he's, when his daughter is teaching him how to read that he picks things up pretty quickly. And within a small scene, he's able to read the entire sentence of, are you my mother? Uh, so it show it shows that he's picking things up rather quickly, but still, once again, they didn't do a very good job at portraying time in this. And there's a montage in there, which also kind of screws things up a bit without, accurately portraying things yeah if you go back and watch pay attention to their their clothes and the seasons i didn't even really think about the timeline for this movie except yeah he does get out fairly quickly but like i said that's the whole point of the genre they're going for i took it as rachel went um, probably during august or september when school does start back up which would be closer to the fall and she was probably in there for a couple months but we also see him and his wife going on walks where she's in shorts and a t-shirt so it's probably most likely summer mm -hmm. and before that it's uh spring probably when he comes back home so that would be my guess as to the timeline for the movie right uh, I do really like the scenes between Henry and Rachel I think those are probably really sweet scenes um, especially where she spills her juice and she's expecting her dad to get angry with her like he did when he when she spilled it on his piano right but instead instead he says that's okay I, I do it all the time and then he knocks his juice over as well mm-hmm uh, yeah and they're also when he when they go to make eggs for breakfast and he's like, No, I don't like eggs, I hate eggs. And they're like, Yeah, eggs are your favorite. And he goes, Okay, give me lots of eggs. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> give me lots of eggs. Yeah. And it's funny at the end when he's like, I don't like my clothes. I gotta say something. And you think he's gonna say like something like big, but he's like, I don't like my clothes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, that was pretty funny. Mm. Uh, I also did want to mention that it's important to note that Bradley gives Henry his Walkman. And Walkmans weren't cheap. Now, maybe at this point they had gone on sale. I don't know. But regardless, Henry would have never given stuff away to people beforehand. So 
Bradley is in a much different financial situation than Henry was, but he still gives away something like that, despite him not being rich. So just kind right. of that um, kind of giving aspect to it is important, and it will be throughout the rest of the movie. Right, yeah, we do get to see how, uh, especially with Bradley in this scene, how he gives things away even though he doesn't have much. I mean, he's a physical therapist, and they don't make a terrible amount of money uh when it comes to their annual salary. So him giving a Walkman away is a pretty big deal because we do also see that Henry is big into music. I mean, he comes in the room and is jamming out to a song at one point. So it's clear that Bradley is very big into music. So yeah, giving this Walkman away to Henry is a pretty big deal. A, a very it, It's very much a humble act uh, towards Henry, which also kind of lends to uh, kind of going against what Henry was in the very opening, where he was very much a it's all mine kind of a personality. And it is funny when Henry goes exploring on the town. This is kind of where he gets his growing up moment, learns yep. about the facts of life in uh, porn theater, unfortunately. <laughs> and it is a funny scene how he's like looking around like, oh, gee, you know, I... I shouldn't be here, but, you know, I'm kind of curious, but, oh, man, I shouldn't be looking at this. And uh, it's all a very funny scene to see this grown man act so shocked about what he's seeing. Yeah. And this was something I was a bit surprised at was it's this it very much well, not very much, but in this few and a few scenes, really, uh, it isn't touched on too much. But it's very much a fish out of water kind of a scenario where he doesn't really know what he's doing. Uh he doesn't really know how to act properly in the situation and he finds himself in an adult theater and, and other things, there are other things like this, but this is one of the bigger uh, moments where this really shines out. Uh, what I was expecting out of this was now he's going to be kind of like every other fish out of water story where he has to learn the basics of how things work. And to a certain extent he does, but that's not the crutch that holds the movie together. That's just an aspect of it that, moves the story along due to his uh due to his the case that he's in right now at this moment of being an amnesiac and slowly regaining his memory and learning again how to operate in the society yeah i would say that some expectations are subverted which does kind of lend to the sweet nature kind of the happy-go-lucky of henry and i think draws me closer to the film as kind of representing the simple things in life as probably the most joyful and that life's too short to well literally cry over spilled milk you know and um i i do uh i can't help but smile when him and his daughter uh are learning like she's teaching him how to read and mostly it's not not so much his performance but her performance where she is just looking at her dad smiling at her dad I can't help but smile. It's it's a sweet moment, mm -hmm. despite probably being pretty cheesy right. <laughs> and sappy. Right. And this also kind of comes with one of my bigger criticisms here of this movie is, uh, is this scene with the daughter, kind of, but also the last scene when he walks out. There are very few scenes that depict that I that really depict the downsides to his uh, the state that he's in, most lamely having to restart from scratch and uh, having a little bit of a a bit, of a, a bit of a limp and also something also 
kind of hard to, like, once again, the fish out of water kind of a thing, where it's hard to understand some of the things in, that are happening in the world until much later into the movie. They don't really portray the bad sides of that and how the family has to deal with those kind of things, aside from a couple scenes. And I would have really enjoyed for them to show something a bit more with that and explore that and how it's not all perfect. This movie is very much a everything's perfect after this after this incident happened and doesn't really dive deep into other things like, well, now we have to deal with this. How do we deal with this? And coming out of that and saying that even though we have to deal with this, it's so much more worth it now than it was back when he didn't have this thing. Yeah, that's a valid point that they could have gone a bit deeper with his condition specifically. Now, I think they do a decent job of portraying their overall family life being radically changed, where, where for instance, Rachel comes in and says, well, my friend's mom said we're going to be living on the street in six months with, with how we spend. And then Sarah kind of snaps at her daughter and says, who the heck does she think she is? And then she has to apologize to her and... She's trying to get a new job, and then she breaks down to that one friend. And so I think we get that side of it better, but Henry's side of it we do gloss over, where it probably would have been a good, for instance, when he does go out on the town, instead of you know going to buy a puppy and coming back home, what if he would have had to have stayed a night on the street and then they did find him right. and then he has an emotional breakdown of like, I can't do this. I want to go back to the clinic. Maybe something a bit more akin to what we see with Christopher Lloyd's character in the movie The Dream Team, which is a little similar to this. They came out two years apart and Christopher Lloyd, you realize, can't go home to his family because of his like, you know, I don't know, depression or something. I, I do recommend you check out the Dream Team listeners. That's a comedy, but it does kind of touch on some of those um, themes as well. And uh, I, I can see where you're coming from with that. Yeah. And so now we, we like I said, they, there are a couple of scenes where it, they do kind of mention that. And the whole point of this movie is to show that this condition that he has after the fact is what changes the family for the better, which don't get me wrong, is totally possible with what he has but i would like to see a bit more of a realistic track of them getting there uh to that point i think that some of these scenes are more contemplative in nature which i did appreciate and i think some of the score is really well done in particular scenes where we're just kind of sitting there with it and we're sitting there with him where He's discovering things, and it also gives us a time to reflect on our own lives. Maybe what would we do in that situation, or how would we change if everything was gone? And then hopefully, they're hoping you'll take away some lessons from it and be a better person. Right. So I will say this movie does, despite probably missing some of those uh, heavier beats about the downside to Henry's condition... I do like the more contemplative nature of this movie overall. Yeah. And yeah, contemplative, I guess, is a good way of putting it. But that also kind of runs into one of my other bigger issues with this is that it there are, there are a lot of things that this movie does tend to cover in this last in this second half. Uh, a lot of different topics in terms of telling the truth in a court case, uh, affairs in the marriage, how you deal with that. Uh, losing a child or leaving a, having to leave a child to school, different random things are kind of all about this oh, the second half of the movie, and it's 
somewhat to its credit, it does do a pretty good job at handling some of these things, but at the same time, it doesn't do a very good job at handling some situations. Like, I think that one of the bigger ones for me is probably the affair situation. You do get some foreshadowing when Henry find or when Henry finds those blue letters in her in her drawer, but you don't know what they are until much later, and it comes out it comes out as oh wait, huh? They she had an affair with Bruce a while back. Uh, before the injury happened and it's just kind of coincidence that he gets a letter uh, a blue letter and that they happen to match the other blue letters in the drawer uh, or when the child goes off to school there's like a small line between when it does happen and when they foreshadow it but aside from that it doesn't do a very good job at setting things up for a good payoff i was i did remember the affair coming a bit earlier because that all runs together into the last like 10, 10 15 minutes pretty quickly yeah. um but were you surprised to find that they were both having affairs on each other mostly yes i mean i kind of could i kind of knew that henry was because of the opening when they both kind of when her i think it's linda i think it's her name yeah they look at each other yeah. and you can just kind of tell or a little bit later when he comes into the office and uh she goes up to say hi to him and he goes oh hi linda and then walks off because he after the injury and he comes back to work and she kind of just looks at him like oh crap you can tell just by her expression that there is obviously something there now when it comes to the wife that one that's kind of what i'm what i'm referring to as it doesn't do a very good job at setting up and paying off here there's really no lead into her also being a part of this, that she's also having affairs on the side, just as maybe just as much as he is. Uh, that was a surprise to me because they didn't really do a good job at setting it up and making it kind of a twist at the end. I I was surprised the first time that I saw it, and I was surprised that she was having an affair. I remember him having an affair, and I remembered it being much more dramatic whereas this still is dramatic like i think it's a nice shot of him sitting in the shadows um, holding up the letters and then kind of storming off and she sells me on her emotions she's saying please don't leave at you know right now at a time like this we need to talk about this and then henry comes to find out that he is not guiltless as well right and i think what the movie is going for here with kind of the moral of the story is He's he has a completely blank slate and she wants a blank slate too. They're really starting over with a new life. And in real life, of course, this would probably not be that easy. But I think they're trying to give you this ideal of saying it could be this way. Forgiveness shouldn't be something that we should withhold from others, especially when we uh, you know, let you without sin cast the first stone. So I think that's probably what they're uh, going for here. And there's also a good scene where uh, the wife invites Bradley over. And Bradley kind of says, I had a completely different life planned for myself as well, but that's just not how life usually ends up turning out. And he said it was a test, but I had to find a life. And I thought, yeah, that's pretty good advice. That's really true. There's really no guarantees in life. And you either have to accept that or or just be depressed about it. Kind of like how Henry was like, nothing's going right in my life. I'm, you know, I feel pretty much worthless. And, you know, this movie doesn't directly 
address God per se. I mean, you could kind of almost think of maybe Bradley as kind of this guardian angel who comes up to help Henry in his dark moments or in his times of struggle. But I do wish this film probably would have addressed maybe God's role a bit more or destiny's role a bit more in uh, Henry's life. But I can see how it's like, well, you know, thank goodness. I, I guess they're not going to thank God that his life did turn out the way it did because it was, it was better in the end that way. Yeah, that is a very interesting uh, part of the movie where it's kind of also going to show that uh, you can't go back to the way that things were before. And you see Henry try. He does kind of start getting into his work and you kind of see his older self kind of coming back to him where he's trying to read a case. I think it may have even been the Matthews case. And his dog is trying to get up on top of his lap and he goes, no, sit. And uh, is really like really enveloped into his work again, just like he was before. And you have this temptation of him becoming back, going back to the way that he was. But that's when Bradley comes in and says, you you can't go back to the way that things were anymore. That's just not going to happen. He essentially tells him that you can still find a place in society to do work and do what you need to do to, to be a part of the human race because we all kind of have that natural drive to do something. Um, but he said, it's just not going to be the same thing that happened before this whole thing happened. Same with me, where he was like, I hurt my knees in football. I was a great football player. Homecoming night, b- busted my knees and haven't ever played football again. But if that, if I wouldn't have broke my knees, I wouldn't be with you in this moment right now. And he's like, this is maybe in this, maybe would have not necessarily to say that this whole life is built up to this moment, but more to say that had it not happened, his impact on society or impact on any other, some of any other people's lives would have been much different than it would have, would have been now. And Henry has time to reflect on all of this because that's when he learns about the affairs. And I think one of probably one of the best shots in this movie where the cinematography and the score work really well together is this really beautiful um, shot of Henry by the lake in Central Park where he's just walking along the lake. And I that's probably what I was trying to mention earlier is the time that the movie takes to slow down. Um, and kind of give us some alone time with the characters and what they're going through. I do like this scene. Yeah, and it's, it is a good scene, and that also kind of brings in another issue with me and kind of editing. Just overall, uh, it it's fine. The editing is fine. I think that especially the scenes when he's in physical therapy, it's not great because it just kind of feels a bit choppy. And it doesn't really flow very well. It does for a little bit. It, things kind of make a bit more sense in terms in editing wise, moving from one scene to the next. But also here at the end, we kind of get into that. It's not flowing very well again. Uh, you lose some emotional impact in this scene, in my own opinion. Not to say that it's not impactful, because I think that it definitely is. But there is some loss there because the editing is just not that great it doesn't flow very well here and i guess i'm just a weird sucker for 80s slash early 90s <laughs> editing and and score and like shot composition and everything it's a weird thing that i have always like liked and been drawn to but i can definitely understand where you're coming from alan it's yeah. not the best it's not everybody's cup of tea yeah um and this whole ending here is henry's true make or break moment he he learns that he was going to leave sarah anyway 
Is he going to do that now that he learns that she was cheating on him? Can he forgive even when he knows that he's still done things wrong? So this is his big uh, redemption moment here at the end where he does also go to the Matthews and gives them evidence that he, him and his law firm were hiding evidence on purpose. And uh, it's a pretty funny scene where he says goodbye to his boss and then the secretary says, it's the Matthews lawyer on line three. And um, Henry's face is like, oh, gee. And he's like, good luck to you, too, and gets mm -hmm. out of there. I, I thought that was funny. Uh, well, no, I do like all of these scenes here in the end when he goes to his secretary and says, I had enough. So I said, when? Which kind of draws back to when she said, when you've had enough, say when. Now, he, she meant it literally. He meant it more so metaphorically and says goodbye to Linda just like that. So I do think that is a good example of cutting ties to a past life or unhealthy situations and people. And this is idealistic, but also, again, I don't think we should be cynical and say, oh, nobody can do that. You know, whereas I think this movie is trying to portray Henry as kind of the ideal figure of this is what you should do in life. You should choose the right path and dis discard the wrong path. So I do. And I do. I guess I'm a sucker. I love when they reconcile the husband and wife. It's this really nice redemptive moment of forgiveness. And I think it's uh, really important, especially in a world where the divorce rate is so high and couples, you know, break up so easily. And it's also cynical. I think this is kind of a nice moment that you know could give people some hope and an example i was surprised that they actually brought the matthews case back because yeah. i was kind of half expecting that matthews case in the opening to just kind of be a lead-in to what henry was like in his life before and that was really about it but they brought it back and it's now of course they bring it back much sooner than when he actually does approach uh, and, and when he actually does give the file to the Matthews, he does bring it up during lunch one, one day and says that, oh, this is wrong. This is, we can't do this. This is actually bad. And they're like, well, it's paying for your lunch. That court case is paying for your lunch or whatever. So I was surprised that they actually brought this back. Cause I, part of me just didn't think that they would, they, I thought they would just drop it. And then you make even things even better. They, he actually does go to the Matthews and hands them evidence that the law firm that he's a part of was withholding information and now that they can go back and do another suit against the law firm for withholding information and they can probably get more money back or whatever that they need to do so it just surprised me that they actually brought that back i was not expecting that just due to the nature of some of these movies i didn't think that that would be a thing that they do and they totally did yeah i was surprised too as well i didn't remember that at all and i think that's pretty good screenwriting to bring that back up and kind of make that a payoff as well, kind of come full circle in that capacity. And it's also the final nail in the coffin of how really disgusting these people are that they used to be friends with, that Bruce could still, quote, be his best friend to his face, despite having an affair with his wife. And also their friends being so heartless during their, you know, really tough situation and showing how they really don't care. And then finally, you come to find out of this conspiracy where they all felt completely okay with ruining this 
these really poor people's lives, this disabled man's life, and they're elderly too, to top it off. So that Henry helps them, that is, that's really great. I think that's important. We kind of draw back to that and put that nail in the coffin for him. Right. Now, in reality, him quitting his job at the law firm would probably be miles complicated to get it actually for him to leave because I'm sure he's under contract. He's got to go through so many loopholes to get out. But I mean, at this point with the movie that we're in and the movie that uh, was made in the time that it was, it's not that big of a deal. I thought it'd just be funny to bring up that I'm sure that there would be a much longer, arduous process for him to lead the law firm at this point in his life. But whatever, it's not that it's not really that big of a deal. I just wanted to bring it up because I thought it would be funny to bring up. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty easy how he quits there. I was a little surprised where he's like, I quit. And I also took evidence and gave it to some people, but don't, you don't know about that. So. Yep. Yep. Uh, um, yeah. Once again, it's not really going for realism. It's going for just the moral of the story and kind of more of a simplistic approach to do the right thing. Don't think about the legal ramifications of it or how drastic it would be. Right. I, I don't really have a problem with it. I can understand why some people probably would, though, that this movie seems to uh, probably go for the lighthearted moments too much instead of, you know, kind of tempering that with the realism aspect of it. Right. And see, that's kind of my... For me, the movie's biggest downfall is that I think that it so easily could have made a much more impactful movie had they gone for more realistic moments, like I mentioned with Henry's condition and showing the bad parts of that, or having him to go through this long process of having to quit his job at the law firm. I think that they could have done, add this stuff in, and still have made a much more impactful movie, All how, albeit a much different movie. Because with those kinds of things, you would have to have a very good reason to have them in here. And I would love to see things like that, more personal things, instead of so happy that it's getting to the point where it's like, oh, I mean, the message is there, but how much am I actually being impacted by it? It was my question when I when I walked out of this movie. Is I, I realized what it's saying, but did they do a good job at saying that? It's more so a modern fairy tale yeah. In many ways. Yeah, this is very much and, a, a very much a realistic fairy tale, and that realistic is not so much uh, due to the fact that it's based in realism, because it kind of is, but it's totally not. Right. I got a lot of good messages out of this. That was my takeaway, and I was able to bring that from the film and see that as its most positive aspect that I was able to uh, appreciate. And honestly, probably the screenplay would have been stronger in the hands of a more experienced writer. But as we know, J.J. Abrams was 25 years old. So that's right. probably why. Right. Yeah, I'm sure that that J.J. Abrams' age is part of it. I wonder how personal the story is to him, just out of curiosity. It may not be at all. But I just wonder if maybe he had like a parent or somebody who had gone through something similar to this. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I I'd be interested to know. I don't know at all. Mm -hmm. um, I don't even know how he even got this job working with Mike Nichols and all right. these other people. And he, he 25-year-old, gets to write this Harrison Ford movie. 
okay, that's awesome. Yeah, I don't know how he got that job yeah. at all. Yeah, I mean, just the name but, Harrison uh, Ford alone at this time is a pretty big deal. I mean, for a 25-year-old who probably doesn't really know anything about marriage and affairs and father-daughter relationships, sending children off to school, life in general, pretty much, I would say he did a fairly good job for his first attempt. Yeah, for for a very first screenplay from him, it is pretty impressive that not only was that not only that he was able to actually get his screenplay screenplay be used in a feature, but also being how he wrote it is still very impressive. And I do really like the end. I think it's a beautiful end where they come and get Sarah, and he said, "I missed the first eleven years of her life, and I don't want to miss any more." Well, yeah, he literally doesn't remember but he also meant in the in the case that i knew i was a fairly absent father previous to that and i'm going to change so and of course i have to bring up i brought up the score a lot more in my notes than i am in the podcast but i do think the score works really well here in the end it's soothing and peaceful and it works very harmoniously with this happy ending yeah of course, Buddy the dog gives them a hug also, which I love. So. Right. And it is a happy ending, albeit a kind of weird ending to end on. I kind of get the point. He's getting the last thing that he truly that he truly does care for and walking away with it and not having the school take away from his true love, which is his, lo- which is his daughter and his wife and his dog now. Uh, it is still a kind of a weird ending, though, why we would end here, because ultimately it's... Uh, more due to the fact that the family as a whole and they go and get the daughter from school. I think it just, it's odd. I get the point. I think it's still a bit odd though. But either way, yeah, it doesn't end on a happy note. And now, and what we don't get to see is what are they going to do for money now? They've already moved houses. So that means that, uh, Ray, not Rachel, but uh, Sarah's most likely going to have to find a job somewhere. And eventually, well, she I'm a sure- realtor. That's right. She is? It is an airtight script, Alan. Don't try and question it. All right. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> 10 out of 10. <laughs> 10 out of 10. No, I was being facetious, clearly. <laughs> but uh, she did have a job. So Okay. I. That's right. I do remember that now. Anyways, it would, it would, be, interesting, it would be interesting to also see Henry having to work his way to get back into the workplace somewhere. Uh, after this fact, once again, a completely different movie that would come out of that if they were to show things like that. Maybe we'll get that in the sequel coming out next year uh, regarding Henry II. That doesn't exist, does it? No. Okay. I knew it. <laughs> Be called no, uh, not regarding Henry, but uh, mentioning Henry. Mentioning Henry. Remembering Henry. I don't know. There you go. He gets all of his memories back like Jason Bourne. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least with Jason Bourne, he didn't go through a personality change. He just had all of his memories wiped. Once again, very unrealistic. Yeah. <laughs> but still a fun movie. Well, Alan, what is your rating and recommendation for Regarding Henry? Uh, Regarding Henry is an okay film, in my mind. Mostly due to the fact, I okay, I recognize the good things that are in this movie, and I do appreciate a lot of the good things. And in fact, if those good things weren't in here for various reasons, this would be a vastly lower score. Because 
a lot of the aspects in this movie are just mediocre, if not rather poor. Editing is not great. Music is okay. It works at moments. It works. And that probably just due to Hans Zimmer's very early career here. Uh, cinematography, in my mind, is not good. Uh, it feels more TV show-esque. Um, Acting-wise, it does a very good job, aside, I would say, from the opening. But I think it's emotional impact that this movie just really falters for me. Nothing really is gut-punching here. There are very happy moments, which I'm very appreciative of, and I think that those are definitely the best moments of the movie. But you also don't get the flip side of that. It's very much a one-sided kind of movie. It very rarely dips into that that out that the bad side of the situation in terms of Henry's condition, which I would have really appreciated how they do that, how they've done that to bring in a bit more realism and a bit more emotional impact. And at the end of the day, I can still probably give it a recommend because I think that there are still the good qualities here uh, do elicit a recommend. But I don't think it's a good film just in general. So for me, I give it a five out of 10, but it's still going to be a very mild recommend. Well, I do see Alan's points, and yes, many of those points would have made for a stronger film. Call me a sap, but I do love regarding Henry. You're a sap. (laughs) It's a wonderful film with many important life lessons. Harrison Ford and Annette Bening have great chemistry, first as a distant couple, and then one that is slowly reconciled, and I think their performances are believable together. Ultimately, the worldview is what draws me to this film. They're a family that literally has everything, but actually their lives are bankrupt spiritually, which is reflected in their physical state in the aftermath of Henry's incident. But they learn all the money in the world can't buy happiness. Only family, love, and enjoying the simple things in life, such as a box of Ritz crackers. Regarding Henry is one of my favorite films and one I look forward to returning to more often. It's a beautiful peaceful, contemplative journey as we walk with Henry and evaluate what's truly important to us in life. Regarding Henry receives 8 stars out of 10 with a strong recommend. Well, Alan, thank you for uh, going along with me on uh, my birthday pick. I will say, I am going to say this right now. I think we both chose movies with uh, at least a bit similar atmospheres and that they're both pretty peaceful and contemplative. Yes, they are very both quite peaceful. Uh, I would probably consider uh, Patterson to be very peaceful, but that movie is almost stoner-like <laughs> with how it <laughs> with how it is <laughs> because it's very mellow and very not too dramatic whereas regarding Henry is much more much more dramatic in context. Yes. Well, listeners, thank you for joining us on my birthday pick. And if you've seen Regarding Henry, let us know what you thought in the comments below. Also, don't forget to click subscribe. You don't want to miss what we have coming up. Next week, we will be starting our M. Night Shyamalan retrospective with Praying With Anger. I'm excited for this one. This is the very first M. Night movie that ever came out, and nobody talks about it. So I'm really excited to see what it's all about. I didn't even know it was a thing until Alan looked it up for the schedule. <laughs> I I knew that it was a thing because I looked up all of his filmography and realized, hey, wait, why does he have two movies before Sixth Sense? Mm. That other than that, that's the only thing I ever I had known about it until we were going to record it. So, yeah, kind of like uh, 
J.J. Abrams wrote this. M. Night Shyamalan did that. Damien Chazelle did 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. One of those kind of things. Yeah, exactly. Also, uh, don't forget M. Night Shyamalan wrote Stuart Little. That's true. He did do Before Stuart Little. This. Never forget yes. that. Never forget that. Before the Sixth Sense was Stuart Little. <laughs> Weird. No, I love Stuart Little. But anyways, that's not a part of our retrospective. But I'm very much contemplating doing a written review as a kind of a fun side thing. That'd be fun. Do Yeah. But listeners, you'll want to sub- subscribe right now so you will not miss our review of Praying with Anger and the rest of our M. Night Shyamalan reviews. After that, we will be jumping into our Mad Max review. M. Night Shyamalan is long, so we're going to be kind of um, intercutting it with Mad Max and also Back to the Future. And then this summer, Men in Black, which I have already been starting to watch for the very first time. And uh, don't worry, I'll rewatch them for the reviews, though. <laughs> uh, well, listeners, thank you for joining us. Also, make sure to leave us a, a five-star review on iTunes. That really does help us get noticed in the rankings. So then other people can uh, hear our content as well. Make sure to share with your friends and family. We love talking about movies. We love talking about them with you. We hope that you have a happy birthday, listeners. Maybe it's your birthday. I don't know. Uh, you could listen to it on your birthday. You can listen to Alan's on your birthday, too, and celebrate with us. <laughs> Won't be helping your so, birthday, listeners. but hey, it's close enough. Yeah, pretty pretty close. <laughs> so, listeners, thank you for joining us, and we will see you next week when we apparently will pray angry with M. Night Shyamalan. Pause, go ahead and watch the movie, come back and click play, and we'll be ready to talk about it. But I'm going to blow my nose first. (laughs) Yeah, it it is... What was I going to say? Dang it, it has to be mine, and now I totally forgot it. (laughs) Oh no. I can't remember. It doesn't matter, I'll come back to it. Helen's experiencing regarding Hendry syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> he Bad <can't> help. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alan, I'm glad we still... Oh, are you still there? You're frozen. You're like a statue. You're back. Hi. Yeah, you just cut out. You said once you got to the line of regarding Hendry is one of my... Fa- and then you just cut out. And then I was like, oh, where'd he go? And for about 30 oh, seconds, me. you were just frozen, and then it all kind of jumbled <laughs> together, and now you were here. Dang it. You missed the best part. You'll have to wait to hear what I, I guess I'll say. have to wait for editing. <laughs> Dang. <laughs>